Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On today's episode, we're joined by Anushka Day from California. She is a freshman from Cupertino who is studying at Stanford University. This past year, she was named the Journalism Education Association Student Journalist of the Year and the National Scholastic Press Association's Writer of the Year. She was the editor-in-chief of her school newspaper at Monte Vista High School, El Esto K, which translates to The Sword, at the national award-winning publication at that particular school. The magazine is published every six weeks. Their website and social media are updated daily. She says she used her platform to uplift stories about social movements, sex education, and other issues that affected her school and community. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. So first things first, what's your journalism origin story? I applied to Elastoke because I saw the application in an email and I saw that I had a day left. So I thought, why not? I've always loved writing. But my true journalism origin story or where I learned about what it means to be a student journalist really occurred at J Camp, which is a one week intensive journalism camp that's hosted by my district. Uh, there, I met the student leaders of the publication at the time, all of whom were two years older than me. And I remember specifically one of the managing editors of my publication, her name is Shuby, she also goes to Stanford, saying, your goal on Elastoke is to write about what even the New York Times couldn't. And that really resonated with me because I realized in that specific moment that my role on Elastoke wasn't necessarily to comment on national events or political events, though of course I have that platform and that voice, but more to focus on the specific issues faced by my peers and within my school community and my and my city. And that made me feel really powerful because in a way I have more to say about that than anyone working in a really big publication could because I'm so intimately involved. And that philosophy has really driven me all three years on staff to be more motivated to focus on the issues that impact the people around me. Let's go back a little bit before that. Your Can you tell us about your family, where you're from, and just, uh, yeah, just a little bit more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So my family, my parents are both from India. They're from Calcutta in India. So I'm Bengali, Indian American. I was born in California, though. I guess a little bit about me. I have a younger brother. He's a year old, younger than me. And... I feel very connected to my Indian and my Bengali heritage. My grandpa used to live with us on and off. And I find a lot that a lot of my identity as a person comes from the fact that I am Indian American and I identify with that part of myself a lot. And I was really bolstered by the fact that I went to Monta Vista where a really large percentage of the student body is Indian American, Asian American overall, but specifically Indian American. And I just feel very connected to that part of myself. And how has your heritage influenced your journalism? One really big way, and I found, I really found that connection to the Bengali American part of myself over the summer between sophomore and junior year, 
when I read books by this author named Chumpa Lahiri. She's my favorite author, and she's also Bengali-American, just like me. And she wrote about the specific experiences of Indian American immigrants and the children of immigrants in just short stories. And reading about that was the first time in my life where I truly felt seen in a piece of literature or a piece of media. And that really motivated me to find a lot more interest and beauty in the activities that my Indian peers at school have taken part in and just my Asian peers overall. As a features editor, I led a package on immigration because I, the Monte Vista and the Cupertino community is built on a lot of immigrants. And yet it's something that's so common and so accepted that that story of immigrating to get an education in this country and start a life, it's something that I feel is, it's just accepted. It's very, it's very overlooked. And I think it's incredible. And so those experiences of my parents and people like my parents who left so much behind and came here, it's something that I feel really, really inspired by. And it's something that I was really motivated to write about. And I wrote actually a column about my parents and their specific journey coming from India, like landing in this landing in the airport, what they saw, the this contrast between Kolkata, which is a very it's a very happening place. There's so many people versus somewhere like Philadelphia where it gets very quiet at night. And like the small details and things like that, they really resonate with me because that's my story in a lot of ways. And so that's something that I really enjoyed writing about. Let's touch on your heritage a little bit later on as well. Yeah. Uh, when you started, one of the things that you articulated and some things that I read was that you were fearful of <laughs> writing initially. Why? The first, like, being on Elastoke was the first time in my life where I published something, or I created something that could be looked at and critiqued by my peers and people that I knew and would have my name on it. The Elastoke magazine, it comes out every month and it's in every single classroom. And if you flip the page, you can see the byline. And of course, I've had teachers who've graded my work, but it's really not the same feeling of knowing that you're putting something out there and it needs to be accurate. And I felt very strongly that it needs to, to be meaningful. And I'd never written in a journalistic manner before. And it just felt like there was so much room for failure. And I was really worried that I would write something wrong or mess up a story. And that novelty really scared me. And that prospect to not do well, it really scared me. And that prospect to be to have my peers be able to look at my work and judge it also really scared me. So there's a lot for me to fear, but it's from taking those risks that I feel that I grew the most and I gained the most confidence in my own voice. Now you took that though, and you turned it on its own head, essentially by writing, you essentially decided to start by writing about things that you were like afraid of or that you were going to try. So explain that series of pieces that you did. Yeah. So that month, um, the month that I applied for a column. My column was called Being Brave. And you're right, the shtick was basically that every month I would challenge myself to do something new that I had never done before. So that month I had joined Elastoke. I was feeling so nervous. I remember knowing that Pangra tries were coming out and Pangra is a type of Indian dance. And that's something that a, couple, a lot of my friends do. And it's super competitive at Monta Vista because everybody wants to be on that team. 
And I also remember I was in an APCS class and I was one of the very few women in that class. And I had felt a lot of fear at contributing, even though I'm one of those kids that loves raising their hand. And so I thought to myself, I'm in this situation beginning of my sophomore year where I feel so scared going into all my classes and I'm trying all these new things. And so rather than back down and drop a class or stay quiet, I'm going to force myself by, again, doing something that holds me accountable with my peers to be brave and try something new, try something that I'm afraid of. So that first month, I applied to having a column, which in and of itself is a was really big for me because, you know, if you apply, there's that fear of rejection. And as I mentioned, it's a student-run publication. So the managing editors are just kids who are two years older than you. They're also your peers. And so there's that fear that you're going to get rejected by people who know you. And even if you do get it, you're writing this thing to a bunch of people who are going to read your work in the magazine. And I just thought to myself, if I can do this, if I can force myself to be a little bit braver, I mean, who knows what will come out of it? And so I did, and it was honestly one of the coolest things that I ever did. I joined the Ponger team in sophomore year, and I did participate in my APCS class. And so that level of accountability, I mean, it was actually really fun, and I enjoyed it a lot. That's great. Um, and it, it led certainly to your future work. I want to do one thing before we get to the things that you've written about. Explain what the journalism program at that school is like. I want to contrast it a little bit with what the Monta Vista student body is like which is that, I mean, the Monta Vista, going to Monta Vista, the experience is essentially going to school with a bunch of extremely high achieving and super motivated individuals. You're always pushed to do your best. And excellence, and I do mean excellence, like scoring extremely well, achieving officer positions, it's something that's almost expected of you. And in Elastoke, it's those same kids with that same bar for excellence, but it's stripped of that almost competitiveness. And I think what's there if I could describe it in three words, it would be it's passion. People are always inspired and there's so much collaboration. And I, I couldn't have loved being in the Elastoke classroom more. The journalism program is it's essentially it's a bunch of kids. There are staff writers, there are section editors, a tier above that. And then there's the managing editing and managing team. And it's all student run. And it's all people who are looking at each other's work. And they're looking at the New York Times or the Washington Post and we're all just taking inspiration from that. Everyone is super hungry to write and to cover the stories that matter and the stories that they're personally passionate about, whether that's going to a game review or writing about a city law that was just passed. People are working on things that they love and they enjoy, and there's so much room for that. And there's so many people who are supporting that. And I think it's just such a wonderful, supportive and creative environment. We don't have video for the podcast, but your face just completely lit up when you started talking about I it. Mean, I can, I can really... It was such a big part of who I was. It was and I, I really loved it. Yeah, it, it sounds it sounds amazing. So let me read a list here of some of the things that you've done. This was in your essentially in your portfolio for Journalist of the Year. Among the topics that you covered, the Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements. We acknowledged uh, it at the beginning a few other things, sex education, some very adult topics there, femin and feminism. As a photographer, you shot sports, but you also, also shot local events like the local Diwali uh, festival. As an artist, you did illustrations. On the broadcast side, you edited videos. I saw one where you documented a day in the life of students during the quarantine. 
and you made social media changes that were impactful to the schools to the school newspapers social media and added a newsletter and in terms of both diversity and fairness you initiated a tracker that documented which sources were interviewed for which stories listing name class and ethnicity so that no one was interviewed excessively so that you were properly covering all angles of a story okay let me just say that's a lot so let's separate that into a few areas. As a writer, what story are you most proud of that you've done? As a writer, the story that I'm most proud of is The Experience of Too Many Women, which was an account of the hashtag MeToo movement that occurred within my school and my broader school community, FUHSD or district community that occurred in March of 2021. And the story that we wrote combined everything that I'd learned previously as a student journalist, which was news writing, feature writing, interviewing a diver diverse group of sources, reaching out to both professional sources and students, anonymous interviews. And it's what I'm most proud of because I believe it's the single piece of work that I wrote that was the most impactful. It was shared in sex ed curriculum and curriculum that at my school, and it was shared by the principal and it was a really thorough account of what occurred. And more importantly, I feel as though in that specific story, my commitment to diversity in an issue that I am extremely passionate about and very personally impacted by, which is the safety of women, really, overall, because it, it was the hashtag MeToo movement, but that stemmed from a post about a girl talking not about her experiences with sexual assault or, or rape, but really her experiences living in fear of that constantly, which is something that all women face. My commitment to diversity in hearing the story and amplifying the voice, so to speak, of someone who did not in any way believe in that movement and it's still including that voice in the story and allowing my readers to see a different side is something that I feel was very important. And it was something that was important to do in order to represent the student body. And it was something that challenged me personally because I struggled with, do I really include the voice of someone who I believe is, is degrading a community of women? And I did it anyway, and I feel that it was important. And so that is why I am most proud of that story. How did the idea for that story originate? How did it go from idea to finished product? So I saw the post of a girl who goes to my sister high school in my feed, and it had immediately gained a lot of attention. And something that occurs on Instagram is that when someone wants to amplify a post of their peer, they'll repost it on their story. So I saw that post a lot. And I remember it was on a Thursday evening. And I thought to myself, this is a, this is pretty cool. Like, this is really cool that she's done something like this, which is basically she... The cover of that story is, it says the experience of too many women on black text and it's on a pink background. And so she posted that, like that I cop, I, I used her post as inspiration. And that was what the post looked like. And there was basically a paragraph talking about what it felt like to live in fear and the experiences that she'd had talking to her parents or her friends about how, how you need to watch out for your drink or you can't walk alone at night as a girl because that's putting yourself in a dangerous situation. And I'd never seen someone like that, someone do that. And I'd certainly never seen someone who was my age do that. And posting on Instagram, I mean, it's your friends who are who are reading this and who are looking at this. And so there's a lot of that same accountability. I feel like it's almost much scarier to be vulnerable in front of people that you know 
than it is to be vulnerable in front of strangers. And people were very receptive to that. And by Friday, there were so many other girls from my school and there were so many girls from other schools in my district that were posting about the same, like they were reiterating, reiterating what she had said or they were talking about their experiences with actually getting sexually assaulted or raped. And I knew I had to write a story about it. So my co-writer on that story, Prisha Tiwari and I, we, we went on a Zoom call and I remember we called for like 16 or 17 hours straight and we interviewed the girl who posted and we interviewed a bunch of people who posted immediately after that. And we also interviewed the anonymous source that I was talking about who had posted on his story commending the hashtag not all men movement and stating that he believed that a lot of those sex women who are posting about sexual assault were doing it for attention. That was specifically what he had posted about. And that had gotten a lot of negative attention from my peers and people were sending him death threats, both publicly and privately. And so we interviewed him or I interviewed him and we stayed up and we transcribed hours and hours of interviews. And we put that story together with maybe like two hours of sleep in the middle. And it was, it was thrilling in a way, because you, I felt like, despite the fact that I was trapped behind the Zoom screen, for the first time in a long time that it was doing something that was making a real impact, like I could tell that this is something that mattered and it was affecting the people that I knew. And, you know, my friends were talking about it in like our group chats and, and I was writing about it and I was, I was interviewing the people that were at the forefront of this and have never done something like that before. And, we sent the we sent the story in for edits, and I remember we we figured out how to how to divide it because it's a really really long story. And I talked to the admin at my school and my and my advisor. And looking back on it, it all kind of seems like a fever dream because it was such a long period of time. I mean, like twenty four hours, and it was so also so short. <laughs> and we published it, I think, that Sunday. So yeah, it was thrilling, and in a lot of ways, it was also very heartbreaking because it was it was talking about something that I mentioned that I'm very passionate about, which is overall women's rights, but also specifically women's safety. And I remember I remember debating whether or not to put that, that story in with my managing editors and my editor-in-chief at the time. And that was one of the first times that I'd been confronted with an ethical issue as well. So it was just taking everything that I learned up till that moment and condensing it into maybe a 48-hour period. One of the things that you alluded to and that I noticed that was within your portfolio was that the editorial process at your school essentially simulates New York Times, Washington Post with the number of people that have to read a story, with the way when you pitch an idea, there are different components to the pitch, all of which have to be fulfilled. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to mention that that editorial structure has been in place long before I was on staff and that I totally commend the managing editors that came before me and my advisor for putting that in place. I think something that's really cool about that specific structure of having a pitch be very cohesive and whole is that it makes sure that, I mean, it sets your writer up for success. One thing that I stressed as an editor was that the most important part of pitching a story or writing a story is your angle edit. And that's where you decide what specifically you want to focus on. You angle the story. And that's something that's kind of vague and it's very difficult to grasp until you've been doing it for a long time. But 
the question that I always tell my writers to ask before they write a story, and it's a question that I was asked, is what do you want your reader to learn from this? And I think it's really important because when you go, as you go through your interviews, you're influenced so much by what your sources say. And in one hand, that's really important because journalism, it's writing about the source and it's writing about the information that you receive. But on the other hand, if you set out with the goal of, I want my reader to learn something new from what I'm writing, you're making sure that you're contributing to, I mean, you're adding information and you're not just summarizing things that people already know. So that's what I have to say about the pitch and the angle process specifically, which is that we want our journalists to focus on adding something through their work. The benefit of going through six edits is that it detach, it gives you so much space to detach any sort of bias and your journal, like your own voice from news and feature articles. Because, and I say this again, journalism, it's not about the writer. It's about what you're writing about. And that's very different from most other writing that you do, especially in school, where you're judged on how, how good, how well, do you inject your own voice into the story? And that's not what we want our journalists to do. We want our journalists to cover information and what's going on at school or in the community well. I'm going to read something. I'm not necessarily even looking for an answer. I'm just going to read this from your portfolio. As an editor, I strive to be a support system, the foundation and structure upon which my staff writers build upon. As a leader, I've learned to find a balance between staunchly pursuing my own vision like my belief that it was important to cover our homecoming, even though it left us in a serious time crunch, and also to collaborate. As a leader, what are you most proud of? As a leader, I am most proud of fostering an environment within Elastoke, which motivated people to try new things and to be passionate about what they were doing. And I think I did that both by, I hope, becoming friends with the people around me and inspiring confidence within them by giving very specific edits and by taking my time every time I read an article to preserve the writer's own style and their approach to the story while still elevating their work. And also by leading by example and by having so much passion and so much energy in all that I do to show like these sophomores and these juniors who are so nervous about all of these different things, like their AP classes and their college applications and what their parents are going to say, that this work is your work and it's just your work. And you are putting out something into the world that has the power to positively impact someone who reads it because they may learn something new or they may see a version of themselves in your work, which is something that isn't often felt by Asian American students in anywhere else, but it's stories about them, right? So you have that power, you have a voice. And I feel so passionately about that. And I feel so lucky that I discovered Elastoke by chance and that it gave me so much confidence. And I wanted so badly for every single person on my staff to discover their own niche for that. And that is what I feel most proudly about as a leader is for fostering an environment in which that passion and that desire to do your best and to amplify your voice was fostered. So one of the last stories that you wrote about was about prestige and how parents oftentimes, those new to the American education system, view the college application process. This was in some of the stories that I was reading that you've done. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote that story at a time when college decisions were coming out and a lot of my friends 
were getting or were not getting into schools that they had really hoped to get into. And that sting of rejection after putting, you know, so many hours into those essays was made a lot worse by the intense disappointment that they felt from their parents and their family. One of the things that makes Monte Vista's culture so intense is this tremendous pressure that students have on them from elementary school, really, to get into Harvard or Stanford, an Ivy League, basically, or, or Stanford. And that's really it. It's not, there's not a lot of room for flexibility there. And I mean, that's a lot, that's a really big burden to bear from when you're eight to 18. It's what your entire life is working towards. And then if you don't get into the school that you want to get into, there's this tremendous sense of failure. And a lot of that is instilled in us by our parents. And within my own school community, I mean, there were so many of my friends who were just feeling so upset and their parents were making it from my eyes, they were making it so much worse. And I thought to myself, here I am, and I'm I'm listening to my friends talk about their parents, and I wanna know what it's like to be on the other side of that. And so I reached out to a parent who owned who owns a college cons consulting business. And I wanted to ask, why are there so many Asian parents who make their kids' lives in some ways very difficult? by putting all this pressure on their kids. And it was one of the, I mean, it was it was a very enlightening story. I mean, the person that I talked to was an Indian immigrant. And so their experiences mimicked my parents' experiences and so many experiences of my friend's parents. And I felt like I was giving, I was writing about an issue that was very important and that was impacting a lot of people at school. Reading that story, it reminded me of my time at Stuyvesant High School in New York City certainly very similar experience. Now, all that said, you're going to Stanford. Is journalism in your future? Certainly. Well, at school, it is absolutely in my future. I want to join the Stanford Daily or at least write for the Stanford Daily and maybe a, a write for a feminism or a feminist publication if I like, I might do that as well. In the broader future, I'm not set on pursuing a career as a journalist, but writing is certainly how I express myself and how the best version of my voice, I believe. And so I do hope maybe to submit guest essays or or become a contributing writer to a publication when I'm older. Do you have a, a sense of what you want to do? I do. I have a very specific sense of what I want to do. I hope to one day uplift women who live in poverty by investing in their small businesses because I believe that allowing women to become economically independent in countries like India or in other South Asian countries is the first or is a very important step in allowing women to become socially independent. I've been to India and I feel like there are so many women who have these, I mean, these skills and they could make these small businesses out of these skills and there is a lot, there is investment from the states, but not a lot for women like that. And so my specific dream is to invest in those small businesses in order to uplift women, Indian women. It's actually interesting. So about, I think it's probably five, six, seven episodes ago, I interviewed a student at the University of Alabama who was just graduating. And she almost word for word there said the same answer that you said. And she had started a magazine at the school. You were talking about writing for a feminist publication. She, they didn't have what she wanted to write for at the school. She started a magazine at the school for Black students so that she could write. 
I want to ask you about one non-journalism thing that you did. You won a competition. It's called the Conrad Challenge by designing a biodegradable, bioluminescent fishing net that mitigates pollution. What's that? During COVID, I felt this like tremendous restlessness. And I felt like I, I just needed to do something. It was such a weird time, right? Because, I mean, there was obviously so many people who were in quarantine from the pandemic all over the world. And then there was also the Black Lives Matter movement. And through journalism and just in so many other ways, I just wanted to make a difference. I'm a super curious person. I love learning about new things. And so my friend and I were like, wouldn't it be cool if we did something to save the turtles? Because that's something that you hear all the time. And so we we kind of looked into it and we found this, this challenge. And honestly, it it used a lot of the skills that I learned from journalism, which is, you know, writing and researching and modeling and presenting. And she was in DECA, which is a student business organization. And so we kind of put those two skill sets together and we created, it's essentially, it's a biodegradable fishing net that glows in the dark because at specific frequencies, turtles can see it, but fish can't. And so it's not as complicated as it sounds. And I mean, it was so much fun and I learned so much. And that specific achievement, I suppose, is kind of, I mean, I guess it doesn't really align with a lot of what else I did in high school, but I think what it does speak to is how curious of a person I am and just that energy and that desire I had to make a difference throughout I, high school. I think it's really amazing that someone who got, so you got restless during the pandemic. Some people will binge watch TV. Some I did that too. Right. I did do that too. <laughs> okay. But you designed a biodegradable, bioluminescent, co-designed a biodegradable, bioluminescent fishing net and won an award for that. That's fantastic. How do you manage how do you manage your time among all these things that you do? I like to make lists. I think that they are an excellent way of breaking down all the things that you need to do in a day. Checking off every little thing makes me feel very accomplished. And it's a great way of not forgetting what you're doing. And I also think. As I was going through the college application process and then as decisions were coming out, one thing that I realized was that, I mean, I got into Stanford really early. And so I can't really speak to that rejection, the, the thing of college rejections because I never really faced it. But I will say that one thing, one level of security that I had even before any decision came out was that I, in my time in high school, I did things that I wanted to and not because I thought they would get me into college. And I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but it's not that cliche at Monta Vista because I came into my freshman year and I joined the robotics team and I joined the debate team. And I was really bad at both because I only did them because I thought they were gonna get me into college. And I joined El Stoke for, neither, for not that reason. And I loved it and I thrived because I wanted to do it. And every class that I took, even when it was difficult, I only did it because I wanted to and not because I thought that I should because it would boost my GPA or or get me into college. And so I think that managing your time and not sleeping, which is something I, I got a very little sleep for most of the time that I was in high school is made so much easier if you're up at 2 a.m. writing a story that you love or, or researching about turtles because you want to and not because you feel this tremendous burden and this tremendous pressure to do it. And I felt stressed in high school, I absolutely did. And one of the wonderful and terrible things about me is that I am driven very hard by stress. But I was talking about when college decisions were coming out, I felt very secure in that knowing that 
everything aside, I had spent my time in high school creating something, which is those articles that would stay even when I graduated and that weren't contingent on someone else's opinion of me. They weren't a competition. They were work that I was producing because I wanted to produce it and because I thought it would make an impact. And I feel like that was also something that I feel very proud of and that made I guess that's not a great answer to how did I manage my time, but I guess the only reason I did a lot of stuff is because I wanted to, and that's what I would give. And like, that's what I would tell students who are coming into high school is to do things because they want to. Yeah. Not because of college requirements. You said them done. Right. Absolutely. I remember it well. All right. Two things to close here. One, I want to give you a chance to shout out anyone who has been influential to you, including your journalism mentors, anyone that you like. So feel free, floor is yours to do that. Yeah, I have to start out, of course, by shouting out my journalism advisor. She's my teacher for three years and she is one of the most incredible teachers and women that I have ever known. And I hope to that I will stay in touch with her for the rest of my life. She did such a wonderful job of being there for her students. We always called her our mom because she, she was so inspiring and she was so passionate all that she did and she was so supportive and then she, and she, she took care of us. She made sure that we were okay mentally. She never made our class about grades and, and yet she pushed us to be the best, the best that we could be. And she didn't leave a lot of room for, for shoddy work. And so Miss, so Jay Sat is what we call her, but Miss Julia Satterthwaite would of course be the top of my list. And after that, I want to shout out, I'll go First, I want to shout out Jayanti Cha and Michelle Chen, who were my co-editors-in-chief last year and who are two of the most incredible and kind women that I ever knew. And their kindness and leadership is what inspired me to be a kinder and better leader. Oishi Mishra, who is a year older than me and was the editor-in-chief when I was a junior. And Shuvi Cha and Hannah Lee, who are two years older than me. All three of them were such... I mean, they're my role models throughout high school. Everything that they said resonated with me so much. And I would look up their staff profiles like daily and read what they wrote and be inspired by the volume at which they produced articles, the incredible edits that they used to, to leave. I mean, Shuvi, like what she said at J Camp is what inspired me to become a student journalist and to really stick with it. And all three of them, I mean, they were just my mentors in so many ways that I don't even think they know. And so, it would be those one, two, five or six wonderful ladies. So many of those things like the, the the diversity of our audits and our editing process and and even implementing a newsletter. I take credit for so much of what my managing editors and my head, like my fellow staff writers and journalists have done and in that specific portfolio. And I just want like, to, to let it be known that my managing editor team was the best managing editor team that anyone could ever ask for. And I would have been nowhere without them. And they deserve much more of the credit than I do for all of those things. And then my mom, of course, my mom, how could I not shout out my mom, who is just the, the most incredible, strong, wonderful, coolest, funniest lady alive. And I, I aspire to be more like her every day. And there's actually an article that we will include in the show notes, a link to it that you wrote about your relationship with your mom at the very end of your high school career. All right, last question. We salute you for your good work. That's why we brought you on the show. Is there a journalist or journalism organization, maybe one that you're not affiliated with, that you would like to salute for their good work? 
Yeah, totally. So one of the things that we used to do at El Estoque is every Tuesday, we would have a showcase of work that we thought was really great. And we used to showcase the Berkeley High Jacket, which is, I think, Berkeley High School's newspaper all the time. I have gone to their Instagram so many times and looked at their social media posts. And I think as a publication, they're so awesome. And then I also want to shout out the other newspapers within my district, which is Blinbrook High School's The Epic, The Prospector, which is Cupertino High School, Homestead High School, and Fremont High School. All of their publications were such an instrumental part in what we did. We worked with those journalists sometimes. We went to their school for games. And I mean, everyone in our community who is doing more to amplify diverse voices, I feel like all of those schools should be so, and all of those journalists and those advisors should all be so commended and so, so recognized for all that they do for our community. High school journalism, certainly a building block for the future of journalism in this country. Anushka Day, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck in your future at Stanford and beyond. Thank you for having me. The number of young women on the state-by-state list of Student Journalist of the Year award winners was striking. Anushka is one of many talented women journalists entering college this fall. I very much look forward to seeing her work in the future. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at JournalismSalute at gmail.com.